You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. Um, our theme music is a clip of Summer Nights by the Eric Jones Trio. It's provided by our friend Mark Chesanel, who plays with the Eric Jones Trio every Thursday and Sunday at Good Times Jazz Bar downtown. Hey everyone, welcome to Arts on the Air. This is Tamara Garvey, and I have the pleasure of being in City Market with William Kwamina Poe. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. It. So yeah. exciting to be here. And if anyone's ever been in City Market, his studio is like a flagship place. It's in the south side of the artist studios, and you go up the stairs, and it's right there. He has a beautiful, light-filled studio, and it actually has two levels in it. So it's like a real, it's like a home. Thanks. Yeah, it's great. I like it. I like it. <laughs> um, okay, so I want to read a bit from your website, and then we'll get started. Um, so, William, you are born in Ghana, and you came to the U.S. because your father got a position as a history professor at... Talladega College in Alabama as a Fulbright Scholar. Very cool. Um, And then you were introduced to the work of a teacher there, James Huff, and he did huge portraits of African-American women, and that's what really inspired you. Um, And now in your present work, you you describe the subject as your work as communicating to diverse communities and cultures about a people who've been disenfranchised and viewed negatively throughout the years. Um, And and a lot of your work you're depicting Ghanaians? Am yeah, I saying that yes, right? Okay. Yes, yes. Ghanaian fishermen, market women, and children, right? Yes. Okay, awesome. So we'll just start way back. So when you um when you first came to the US from Ghana, were you imagining that you were gonna be here forever? Was your family thinking that? You know, initially it never dawned on me. But when I left, because I was such a I was a prankster and I was really not going to I don't think, you know, my my dad was, was he was a good man. Because, you know, he knew that what I was doing was not going to get me anywhere. Oh, he sounds like he was a serious scholar. Well, he he was. Yeah. So rest in peace, he was. So he, you know, he wanted me to come and be an artist. My grandfather was an artist. He died before my dad was even two years or even a year old. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So when he found that I had a little, so he found out about my grandfather's talent through uncles and distant relatives and they told him he was, a, he was a music teacher and all this stuff so that part i wish wish i had the music part you know yeah but, <laughs> but i'll take it all you got part I, of it yeah 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 i think i put in the rhythm and the pieces so so when my dad saw the little bit and wanted to just nurture it and that's a college professor he had access to to students who could you know or professors who, who could find people to help me so yeah. there was a one of my uncles because my father's only child directly so we had distant uncles was also teaching there and he was he oh. was an art teacher art professor so he put me in front of this what do you call it bamboo grove and told me to sketch it and I'm like oh that was your I was initial so, project so angry. yeah the <laughs> kid I'm like well, why, why are you doing this stuff wow. yeah so they were trying to harness you into something well, the, he was, and I did not, you know, initially, I was not resistant because as a middle child, I felt like I was useless. I felt like I didn't get no, nothing. Okay. You There's know? some real birth order stuff yeah. going on. Like, you know, you, you, you're the third child or you're the, you're in the middle of my oldest son, inherits the father, yeah. everything. The first born. one is really under a microscope. You know, it's like a spare. <laughs> oh, yeah. You were the, <laughs> so you were the Harry? Yes. Okay. Spare. The family. And, um. Then my sisters after me, and of course, he, he only he, my father only had one girl, so you know. Yeah. That's it. So she got she, she got, got attention. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last born, 
got all his names. So it's like. So you were kind of wild and mischievous. Yes. And how old were you when you guys moved to Alabama? Uh, I was 20. Oh, okay. You were older. All right. Yeah, I was older. I mean, I went to high school. I flunked high school art. And my dad is like, no, you're going you to take this again. So he found me some tutors and they helped me straighten me out. One, Albert Kapalampo back in Ghana. His main thing was to me was that you would not use a eraser ever again. And so it's like when I'm sketching and I have a eraser in my hand, you take it out because, you know, his mentality is if, if there's an eraser in your hand, you, you think I can make a mistake and I can correct it. But his thing is, you don't even have to think that way. You don't have to think that it's a mistake. They, yes. Take all your lines and blend them all together, make them all work. Okay. And just move them around and just work it together and let it flow. And so, yeah, he taught me and, and helped me, you know, just get my crazy brain focused. And so I took the art exam again, you know, on a scale of one to nine. Is this is called the O levels, which they have in, in Oh, yeah, in it's UK. very like British style. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. And so, on a scale of one to nine, nine meaning fail. The first time I took <laughs> it, I got a seven. And so, you nine know. Nine is I'm, like you can't draw a circle. You, you, yeah, you can't do nothing. <laughs> seven means that you just, you know. And so, the second time I took it, I got to two, which is, you know. Oh, that was great. So, yeah, it was great. So, so you know, I kept working. I was doing part-time works in a, in, a, in, a, in a library on campus. And then when he got the scholarship, he decided to take his first two kids. That's it. Which was like, whoa. Did he take your mom too? or? Well, my mom and dad were separated. Oh, okay. So That's was... why he had two tickets. Because he had a ticket for his wife wow. and a child. But because we were, he was single father, you know, divorced father. Yeah. He only had... He had took two tickets, so he used for his two oldest kids. Wow, so not even all the kids went. He just yeah, there were four, wow. so just like the first two, <clears throat> which was shocking. That's when I yeah, realized the old man wild. did not discriminate. He was like the first two. That's it. So half the family just stayed in Ghana, and they yes. and he just went on two different life paths at that well, point. Well, because he was uh, on a Fulbright, he was also on a sabbatical from the university, so his house was still there. So they still so for a year. He still had, you know, he still yeah. was teaching. So we still lived on campus, so the house was there. So family was there. They lived there. That must have been, I mean, to go from Ghana to Alabama must have been a crazy culture shock. <laughs> How? It was. It was. But, you know, if you've never been here before, you know, it's an upgrade because the only thing, the difference in Alabama is that all the streets are paved. Most of them. In Ghana, it's like. Not all the streets are paved. The yeah. main streets are paved, but the side roads and all, on a campus, everything was paved. Okay. But outside of campus, not every street was paved. So you saw a different side, and then when you get here, everything's to the cars everywhere. Oh, yeah. You know, people have phones everywhere, yeah. every day. So, okay, so you're 20 and you get to Alabama, yeah. and then how did you make your way to Savannah? Well, through travels, I mean, I graduated and I stayed, I went to Talladega and I was going to be an artist and then they somehow decided that the art program was not going to be funded, so they canceled it. So I ended up majoring, just getting, I'm like, whatever it is, I got to get some papers. So I got my, my degree in sociology. In sociology, okay. So you had taken I, some art classes and then yes, you got I took, a college I took art, yeah, a lot of yeah. electives in art at the beginning because I was hoping that I was going to do that. Did but you I, take from this this one professor, James Huff, who you were yes, inspired by? Yes, cool. James was, was there for the first two years and he was also a tennis player. So, I, you know, we played tennis all kinds of times during the day, you know, after class and the evenings. And then, but he was always educating me. 
always showed me the light. Yeah, he always was your real mentor. Yes, 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 yes. So he, he taught me how to do, you know, see light and then use Diagonal. So it was really great. And um, so once he left the school, they had a new art professor come in and then they just did not fund the art program the way they wanted to fund it for a degree. So I'm mm -hmm. like, you know what? I just want to get out. So let me find what I have the most electives in. Uh. And just oh, smart. graduate. And Sociology is fascinating. Yeah, well, you know, that's what an art with the work, that's what you do. You're actually doing the study because I'm talking about Ghana, but I'm also doing a sociological and not a social study through paintings, sharing that yeah. through what I see so that people can see my vision, but of what I see the society to be. Yeah, and you're basically, I mean, you just in, recently on Instagram posted some of your old pieces from college, and yeah. you were doing just portraits back then, too. You've mm -hmm. always just been doing people. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And it, it's fascinating because, you know, I, the, the bamboo grove should have taught me better. I mean, it is, but it's, <laughs> market scenes are, oof. Oh, the intricacies yes, of the market. Yes, yes, they're so serious. I mean, I don't want to be painting for five years on one piece. <laughs> you know, maybe six months, eight months, but right. my god, It's like those Renaissance painters when you go yes. see paintings and they're see, miles wide and they have a billion details and horses and everything. And you're like, how, and they how did also you stick list, with this? They also list the, the, how long it took. It's like... It started in 1625 and finished right, in right. 1627. It's and they like, had a benefactor the whole time. Ooh, yes. I, yeah, people had a different level of attention span back then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> their brains were, mm -hmm. their brains were different. Uh, back then, I was still innovative. I had, I remember, I had a meeting with some of these college teachers and administrators and formed a, a little corporation or some group like that, where each one of them um, invested so much money. And I had prints made of my work and, you know, gave them back uh, dividends in terms of prints and stuff, everything like yeah. that. So they, that was the seed money that they invested in, you know. Oh, it was like, the, what is that called? Crowd, like crowdfunding. Something you did like an that. early version yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like going to, you know, what do you call it? Uh, uh, like those websites for, yeah, where you pledge some money and then yeah. the person is able to produce their thing and then you get a little thing out of it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So wow. we, yeah, so that is very innovative. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because you figured it had to have a way to, to do this, and I was able to do that, and I did a few small shows. Birmingham was not far. It was always nice to go to Birmingham. Yeah. And I did some art fairs around uh, campus and around the cities around. And I remember one show we did. I got best of show. My college professor got I think like third place, and he says, "Well, wow. you know." So it was. It was. You know, I was able to really because I used to do pointillism. Pointillism. Really? Ooh. You did like human figures in pointillism? Yes. Wow. Yes. It drove me crazy. That's why I ultimately said, you know, let me go and paint, find brushes and paint. Yeah. Because I just could not see five months of working on a piece. It's like, you lost your mind. Five yeah, also, and you but you see, when you're in college, it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, that was <laughs> in college. Time. Yeah, you're experimenting. Yeah. Oh. Okay, so so you got you got out of school with your sociology degree, and then yes. you traveled well, around. I moved. Well, we got out, and uh, one of my buddies said, "Hey, let's go to D.C." So I was like, "Great!" So oh, cool. let's move to D.C. I think I had just a bag with all my art and everything, and on the way we stopped in um, in Atlanta, and we stopped at this lady's gallery, and I showed her some of my work because I was so excited and everything. It was like. 84, 80, something like that. Okay. And she's like, I can't do nothing with this stuff. 
junk. Did you have like a portfolio full of yeah. drawings? Kind yeah. Of? Like she's like, yeah. this is junk. Oh, I can't Aww. show nothing. And I'm like, I I'm like, I'll be back. <laughs> what do you think of the work that you showed her at that time? Oh, I mean, I still have some old pieces from back then. It was okay. Yeah. You know, but it was not complete. You know, but you know how you are when you're young. You think you you sit on top of the world. You think that your work is so brilliant. It's like yeah, yeah, it's 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 okay. You know, but it's you know, a lot of people come in and they want to show me their work. It's the same thing. You can't you can't cut them down. You have to you know uplift or reinforce them. It's like yeah, this is right. good. So I left. I went to D.C. I worked in a gallery for one year. I, at that time, I'd done one piece that I thought was phenomenal. Which, yeah. You know, it was great. Also. Like a real completed painting. Yeah. <laughs> so I did a few pieces, but I worked in this gallery for about eight eight months or maybe a little bit over that because I worked from 80... Yeah, it was all the 84. Where um where in D.C. was the it gallery? It was in Adams Morgan. Okay. Yes. I, I, used to, I lived in D.C. for oh, years, too. Adams Oregon, so that would be very fun. Oh, it is yeah. still fun. I go over there to Ethiopian restaurants. Yeah, and, the Ethiopian. And then there's a, yeah. there's a Ghanaian restaurant, Bokum, that I still go to right there. You, you, you get to know artists and their differences and the nuances and, and stuff like that. Joe Holston, Paul Goodnight, all these great African-American artists. And they, they, taught, they inspired me. They told me, but, you know, you got to build a portfolio. But it's like, you know, well, yeah. I'm working right here, but yeah. You so you, so you had an art studio and you were working in an art gallery. So no, no, I didn't have a studio. I just, oh, okay. I just had okay. the gallery, and then okay. I had a one bedroom. Not I have, I had a bedroom in some this guy's house. You know, it was my yeah. bedroom, and so and, and that was because his mom was a graduate of my of Tardiga College, so she got me. Yeah, to so you up. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's awesome. So you graduated from college, and then you you know you get a job in an art gallery right. in a big city like that. So that must have been so educational for you. It and, was. Yeah. It was. It was because I it, uh, it taught me how to work. Basically, was you know I would go to work from eleven till six, go home, go to sleep till about twelve or one o'clock or whatever it is, and get up and work to like. Five o'clock, go to sleep for another hour, two oh, hours, wow. and then get up. Because you—that's the only way you're gonna build a portfolio. <clears throat> yeah. If you wanted to build a portfolio, you had to work the midnight oil. You—you you couldn't just say, "Oh, I'm just," you know. Yeah, you weren't just going out right. and like living the city no. life. You're really no. You had to. You had to work. So that's how I start slowly started building works and finishing images. Yeah. So I could have a portfolio to show. Were you working from <clears throat> photos that like you had taken of? Your home in Ghana? I or? was working a little bit of uh, both. Of being, I think those, that time I was a little more creative because, you know, I was just doing things. But I was, I was still doing figurative to start, mm -hmm. you know. And people had given me photographs to get, paint them and stuff like that. So I did a lot of that. Um, but, you know, I, I worked from other people's photographs for a little bit. And then when you got wiser, you realized the world, how bad that was. You know, because somebody would say, you know, when you work from some other artist's work, you you copying the mistakes, you know. Oh. So you got to figure out not to. When you see something you like, yes, let me sketch this. But can you read it and know this is this does not look right or whatever it is? Because you never know, you know. Right. If you if you don't know, right. and you 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 sketching something that's from another artist, you taking everything that is good and bad, you know. So. But anyway, so I, I, I learned to really produce a few pieces, then I um, moved to Chicago. Um, I did a show in Chicago, and then I made $600. That was 
one night, I was like, whoa. I'm sure, yeah, it like in what in the late eighties. Yeah, I'm sure there was a ton. Oh, I'm like, oh, I'm 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 done. I'm I'm moving to Chicago. <laughs> so I packed my bags. It was and, like more immediate success there in Chicago. Yes. Yeah. But I did not know what DC was about if I'd known how to stay. But you know that's hindsight. It's twenty twenty. Right. So anyway, I'm and you want to move your way around and explore different cities and everything. But Chicago was when I first got there. I mean, it's not not when I first. Chicago was still huge. But when I got there, being from Ghana, and you see this city, so I had a chance to do a show there before, and, and so after I did the show, and then that's when I said, I'm going to move, so I went back to the museum. But when you see the city, it's so huge. Yeah. You know, yeah. whatever you want, you can get, you know? Get all the supplies you want as an artist. Everything you need to paint with, you can find. <laughs> Seriously. So, I did that for 10 years. And that's when I used to paint that style, you know, where half of it is abstract and half of it is real. real yeah. Is that, is that a screen print? That's a screen print. Okay. But initially it was a painting, just painted just like that. Got it. And um, I did that for, you know, because I wanted to create own style, my own style, my own thing. And I felt that if you wanted to be great, that you have to have your own style. Yeah. Like, like Picasso had the, they had the... You it does. It has a very like '80s feel to it. Just okay. something about the shapes. <laughs> well, what I did was I used the, the muscle the tones, like... the muscle tones, to to cut, break them up, yes. make their body up, and I'll, also I'll the post shadows. A photo of this. this one we're talking about. I'll post a photo. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the one of the three women. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's how I broke it down through the shadows and how the light hit. Same thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like delineating it out into big chunks of color. Yes, yeah. Right, I don't know right. there's something, uh-huh. something about And then half half of the the same thing being realistic where their fabric is more you know. But this piece also started a little bit backwards from because I did not you know, you know, when you're soft taught you just do what you want to do. And when I started working on this piece, I did the background first. Mm-hmm. And after I finished the background, I'm like, Oh, we got a problem. Because like I gotta fit colors that match everything else now. Uh. So the ladies, the they, the original colors they had on was different from this. So I took that and I had to find this fabric and then just. Yeah, you kind of you worked yourself into a corner yes. of how to finish it. Yes. Okay. So when you did this version, the screen print, you could control it more. Well, we did and we didn't, but you know, I, I kept it the same way because once the, once you make the design and you you're going back to cut it, you know, I separated it by hand. So when I'm separating the stuff. You know, I knew exactly what to follow, what to do, and all this stuff. Because it took me a short, a long time to learn how to screen print. I mean, when I first started to do screen prints, I went to this guy in Chicago, and I was like, can you do a screen print? Can you print for me? He says, yeah. So what do you do? He says, well, this is the piece you want. Yeah, he says, go back and do a, a positive of each color, and then bring it back. I'm like, okay. So I, I took it, I went back home, and I did an outline of each image, and I took it back to him. He's like, oh, no, 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 dude. <laughs> You don't get it, do you? Like, what are you talking about? You said it. You sh- make it, it, it is. Yeah, he should have made it clear. Yeah, he says, well, you got to draw a positive of each color. Like, oh, snap. <laughs> so, you know. So you went away again. Yeah, I went again. And uh, when I did it, he showed me the bullets, you know, that everything has to line up and all this stuff. Yeah. So I did that. And that was. Uh, and, I guess, and that teaches you when you're doing something that way, you it. You like you're gonna make it simpler than right. maybe than a painting because if every single one has to be separated out, you're gonna. And then when you're painting, you don't understand that the 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 the, 
the nuances, the subtle changes become more costly. Right. With, Every with, single one of this is another like passive. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I had to really. So when I was that, there's a piece behind you right there. It's called the, you see the dancer on the floor in the black and white. Okay. You know, that one was the first piece I did, and from then, then a couple of months later, or maybe two or three years later, we did uh, Freedom Dance. That was done during the release of Nelson Mandela from prison, 1990. So that was called Freedom Dance. Oh. Yeah, and um, it was it was such a, a nice experience because that's 12 colors, and that was drove me crazy. <laughs> That's a lot, it is, right? Yes. What what is the normal amount of colors that people usually shoot for in screen printing? You know, I don't know. Maybe easily black and white, or maybe yeah, five or a couple colors, six, maybe seven colors. You know. So this was very ambitious. It was ambitious. I was, you know, I was. When you come into this country and you buy yourself, listen, you shoot for the moon. Oh yeah. And if yeah. you miss, you be among the stars. You just shoot, you, shoot, you know. That's nice. So, that's all was the drive was to find you. Know, I realized that I was sending a lot of reproductions. And I realized that. And the reproductions I was sending for like $40, $45. But I realized that it took me the same amount of time to convince somebody to buy a piece of $45 as it would take me to confine, convince them to buy an original Really? Yeah. What, why is that? Well, because, the, you know, when you're selling an original, it's a different price point. It's a different mentality. Yeah. They know that this is an original piece again, whereas this is a reproduction. It's a four-color process. It's not going to... In six months, in two years, it's going to yellow, you know. Eh. Whereas in the silk screen, it's 100%. I said free rag. I printed it. It's all hand-pulled. It's an original. It's a different mentality. I mean, right now, I get people calling me every day, and they say, oh, I bought this print from you. Uh, 25 years ago, it's signed. I'm like, well, it, it's a reproduction. It's not going to, there's no value in it. And they always think that they bought it back then. They, you know, after now, you can get, they can get something. They're calling you to see if they'd be able to resell it? Yes, and Just, there's a value uh, that's increased. Uh, and my thing is, it's a reproduction. Yeah. A reproduction. It's like a poster, it's a poster, it's a poster. Also, if you paid, you know, what? 45 They So, for 20 years ago, they paid $45. Like, you've more than gotten your enjoyment out of that thing. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. You bought a t-shirt 20 years ago. Yeah. You're not trying you to see? make more money off your t-shirt. But, you see, when it comes to art, everybody's looking for a hidden investment. Wow. Like the one that they got, and, and they really made a good one. And when they realized, well, dude... You wanted you should have bought an original. Then yeah. we could be talking. But well, they can pride themselves on knowing that like they bought from an artist back then and they had a good eye and yes. it turned into like this very successful. Like that's what they should be happy about. They did yeah. make a good yeah. investment. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's the thing. So not money wise, but just <laughs> taste wise. I would feel proud of that. Yes, this is true. <laughs> you see that there are not not a lot of galleries anymore. They all just they're literally gone. Oh. Even major white galleries and black galleries, most of them are all gone, you know. And the ones who you know who do it, they want fifty percent. I'm not giving fifty percent, you know. That's been my motto for since. Old. I mean, when when I was doing the back in the day, and doing the reproduction, they were buying it straight off from you, so it was fine. They were yeah. buying it. If you're gonna, you want fifty percent, just buy. Yeah, you were and making they, your money right yes, away. Yes, they were buying wholesale, and so it was great, you know. Those days, now everybody wants to just. Oh, let me show this for three months and then, you know, if it doesn't sell, you're like, no, 
you know, we and then you want a fifty percent also. Right, right. No, we're not. We're not, I'm not gonna do that. So that's why I do art fairs. You know, because art fairs is not as instantaneous, but it's the fact that you you engage with the customers directly. Yeah. And you get a chance to talk to people and share your work. You know. It's a different scenario. Yeah, it's an intensive thing, like one day or a weekend. Right. And it's direct sales, yes. so you're making all the money. Yes. It's it's a lot of physical work and a it lot is. of emotional it work. Is. It is. Too, it is. To do all it that. Is. Yeah, and you, and it's been you. You have to do a lot. It takes. I've been doing it since, I would say. Maybe 1990, or oh, something yeah. like that. Yeah, and so it takes a long time to find out where you do well. And where it's like, yes. oh, no, 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 I'm not going back there. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, there's different levels of art fairs. Yes, and right. then there's different cities and towns. There's different times of year, like right, different exactly, seasons. And exactly. then, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. and then also, like, by the time as you're doing it now, just the equipment that you have and everything, it's a really long time to build up to having, like, a very professional setup the way yes. you have now. Yes, yes. See, I'm sure at the beginning, the way I did like, you start out and you have a really crappy setup and you make a little bit of money and uh -huh. then you're having to invest it back into getting better and better equipment. And you do, and you do, and it's gradual. It's gradual and it's, you know, I remember I did a show in Chicago and it rained and the wind, it, oh, it tore up a lot. Uh, I think I lost my booth and a lot of uh, some of the work that, yeah. But it's like what you're saying, if you have a good tent, you can avoid those situations. If you don't, yeah, you get blown away, and so it takes a while to, you know, I had a crappy time back then. Yeah, that's that's how you learn. It's like right when you you don't have the money to spare, and, and that's when your crappy and then, and then you didn't even have a car to, so I had to rely on friends to take me to shows right. locally, or even I remember when I first got to Ann Arbor, and uh, I had a van, I had a van then, but I had just gotten into an accident, so I didn't have a a car to get to Ann Arbor. I had a friend drive me to the show and drop me off, and I had to finish the show, do the show, finish it, and find a way back. You know. Oh my God! But it was, I mean, it was that was the bottom line. You felt like you had to do it. You know, just staying still. You're self-employed. What are you gonna do? You know, you can't. This is the best. This is a marketplace. Yeah. Waiting for you. You gotta go show. I would think, yeah. Even if you know you're in a big city like Chicago and you're in a gallery, but there's only so many. There's only so much foot traffic, and yes. unless you're some huge superstar, you're not right. just like raking it in with a check this every single true. month. This is so. true. And the galleries were, you know, back back then it was nice to sell a lot of reproductions, but we did a lot of business that way. But also, it's still the same thing. Like you said, you know. Then the, back then it seemed to justify the amount that they wanted, you know. But there's still a lot of galleries that were doing anywhere from twenty five percent, all the way up to fifty. Yeah. You know, and so you you would like to go to the ones that would would give you would do less. So I did do a lot of traffic with a lot of galleries. Did a few shows with some of the. I opened galleries in in Arizona, in California. Uh, all throughout the country at the shows with different galleries. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, so. yeah and I would imagine, I mean, this is way before the internet, so the only way to, like, start expanding to different cities is to do these art fairs in other yes. cities. And yes, that is the and only the, way. Yeah, and also to drive to these these places and do art shows or gallery shows, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So, and back then, it's still, like, to a large degree today, but back then it was mostly postcards and emails. Right. Not even emails, no, no. postcards. Literally, yeah, literally a mailer. <laughs> a mailer. Yeah. Um, okay, well, this is okay. We're gonna we're gonna take a break. This is super fascinating. When we get back from the break, I'm gonna get you to Savannah finally. Okay. Right. We're gonna, sure. On your the trip of your life. Okay. So this is Tamara from Arts on the Air, and I'm with William Kwamina Poe, and we are gonna take a little break. 
You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. Trees are one of Chatham County's most treasured natural resources. Beyond their beauty and cultural significance, the impact of trees are far-reaching and compounding, spanning from economic benefits to health improvements to climate change resilience. Trees are woven into every aspect of our lives. Savannah Tree Foundation protects and grows Chatham County's urban forest through tree planting, community engagement, and advocacy. More information is available at savannatree.org. This portion of WRUU's programming is brought to you by listeners and by Brighter Day Natural Foods. Brighter Day Natural Foods has been serving Savannah's healthy food and supplement needs since 1978. It is located at the corner of Bull Street and Park Avenue. They have online ordering and curbside delivery available. And now a walk-up window for smoothies, juices, and sandwiches from the deli. They are open from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sunday. More information can be found at brighterdayfoods.com. What does it mean when we say that WRUU is a community radio station? It doesn't just mean that we invite the community to create programming. And it doesn't just mean that we're a voice for the community. It also means that we're counting on the community to keep us going. And you are the community. Almost all of our modest budget comes from small annual or monthly donations from listeners like you. You get to enjoy our community-focused programming because many others have stepped forward to do their part. Now do your part by joining our community of listener donors. Go to WRUU.org right now and make a one-time or monthly donation. And thank you for supporting Savannah's community radio station, 107.5 FM. Hey everyone, welcome back to Arts on the Air. This is Tamara Garvey, and again, I'm here with William Kwamina Poe in his City Market Art Studio. Um, and we were just talking in the break about bargaining at markets and things, and I did want to ask, because so much of your um, career is going around to different art fairs and selling face-to-face, how do you feel when people try to make you an offer on your priced paintings? Like, how do you feel about bargaining on your art? It, you know, it, it's... It's it's fluid. Sometimes it's it's. Sometimes you're like, okay, I'll do it, and sometimes you're like, no, I'm not going to do it. But you have to set, you know. For me, it's it's. It's hard sometimes, you know, because you don't want the next person to come behind and you realize you've given somebody a discount or something like that, and so your price, you know. Yeah. But if it's a print, and I have you come in, and you want to buy. Two or three prints. Yeah, I can give you a package. Yes. That's how I feel, too. Yes. That I, I could bargain for multiples. Yes. Not one. Yes. But when you come in, people are like, oh, I love this piece. Can you work out something for me? I'm like, you only getting one? He says, yes. Yeah. like, well, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't do it. You know? Yeah, that's how I am, too. You know, because, I mean, I have these prints. They're like 14 by 18, 11 by 14, and I sell them at 55 bucks. Even, even with... With the inflation and everything, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go up. I don't want to go up. The only thing is that back then, I, I used to sell in a package of three for 120 They're 55 so you get three, you get it for 120 Now the only thing that's changed is that I don't do that part anymore. Okay. Because inflation has gone up, but you know people are still suffering. Art is not something that everyday people who want to get a piece of art 
can afford if you're gonna keep increasing them. So my price points are still with my prints, I still leave them pretty much where they are. Yeah. Because I don't want to lose those people who, I mean, people yeah, that, pay. that customer base who can afford that and wants it and is going to support. And you, you are going to make money off right. that print. Right. So, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. There's, there's no point, like, right. just keep on raising it and having fewer and fewer sales. It's the originals that you can do whatever you want with that, you know, because I don't paint. Not that I don't paint. I paint just about every day, but, you know, I don't paint that fast. I can't paint a piece in, in a week or two weeks. Right. So your originals have a lot of value because it's a exactly. lot of time in them. Exactly. Exactly. So because of that, it takes me a long time. So yes, I, that's why I also do prints because I need to fill a booth up and, you know, you know, to fill it up, you got to have prints. And also if you sell a great piece and then somebody comes and sees it, it's like, oh, wow, I love that piece. Like, okay, is it original or a print? Well, original sold. Oh, I want to really well. You can't. You can have a print. This yeah. is gone. Yeah, yeah. You know. So that helps circulate more imagery that you didn't have, but also increases the value of the piece that you sold to this person for the original. Yeah, to that original person. Because this is the only way that the the rest of the community or the rest of the art lovers can see it. Yeah, it is true. I mean, yeah. If all you do is originals and you never sell any reproductions of them, then there might be. Hundreds of people over your lifetime who liked that one image and only one person was ever going to get to have exactly. it. That seems kind of weird. Yeah. yeah, like this piece, Tomorrow's Hope. There's this little girl that if you look close in her eyes, the images of fishermen in there, you know, and she's looking very intensely at you. And people just love that look. And then when they even get closer and realize, oh my gosh, there's a painting inside her eyes. Yeah, it's a little secret. Yes, and they, they freak out and so they love it. So... You know, now it's one of my best-selling pieces, but I've, I also have it in four different color backgrounds. So, oh. But the additions are small. It's only 75 numbered and signed in each color, so that helps me. I don't like to do huge additions because when you do that, it indirectly, you know, depreciates the value of your work, but not that much. I mean, any addition of less than a 1,000 is great because there's so many people in the world. Yeah. But... If it's less than a hundred, it's even much, much better. And for me, that allows me to keep on working because you know, if you don't paint fast, and you you, you if you sell fast, which I don't either, then you 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 gotta catch up. But I still want a lot of variety. And when I go to shows, I want to have a different image for every new show that I've been to. You know, but. You know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep it up, but I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? Okay, so yeah, we were, when we ended at the break, we were talking about just shows in general. So this was like the early 90s. You started mm. traveling the country and doing art shows, and that was how you were getting your work out to different cities. And then at what point did you arrive in Savannah? Oh, I arrived in Savannah in 95. Okay. I, I, um, I was in Chicago. I had gone to a show. In, uh, I was on my way to a show to Cherry Creek Arts Festival in Denver. Oh, that's a, that's a huge one. It's a huge it's like show. like a national huge yes. show. And my van, and I had an accident, and my van rolled over and we lost the van, but it's so funny, uh, only one piece got damaged in the whole, whole, whole truck. Mm. Um, so, and then the, this is on my way, this is in Chicago. Then the second thing that happened was the building that my studio was in in Chicago caught on fire. And burnt and burnt down. So, wow. And my studio was right there, and I lost a lot of work and a lot of stuff. 
But those two signs, like, okay, William, these are signs telling you it's time to get out of Dodge. So I'm like, the third sign may be me in the box. <laughs> mm, I'm out. So I packed my stuff, and I had a friend who lived here, his name is Emerson, and he had a studio. You know, he is a photographer. He used to, he, you know, he has a place on uh, Styles in Louisville, and we stayed there. I stayed there with him for two years. And then, but when I got here, he told me that, oh, there's a place you can find a studio, and, and you know. So I came in 96, got me a studio right away in the North Building. Okay. And then uh, within the next next year, I think it was the same year the next year, I think it was 96, my friend Ann and I opened up a, 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 a gallery downstairs. So I moved into a studio, into oh. this side, into the North side, uh, the South side. Wow. Okay, so you had an art studio here, and then you had an actual gallery down yes, on the ground floor. Yes. Wow. So you were like really part of the Savannah art scene I right was, away. But it was it was a lot of work. I mean, because you know, some people come in, but people came in, and then somebody will call you. And my people will call William. There's somebody looking at your work, so you have to go back down. You got to come. Uh, up, go down, you gotta go sell back it. down, come back down. I mean, that's kind of fascinating to just it is be able to be up here working, and yes. then somebody just calls you and you run downstairs and yes. sell it. Yes. That's wild. Well, but you know. It, it you didn't sell every time, but that 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 broke your rhythm, that back yeah, and forth for sure. broke yeah. your rhythm. So it's like after a while, I'm like I can't do this, you know. So I mean, I did it for sight too. Also, is it, I mean, kind of the whole point of having a studio is that you're sitting here working and people come in and buy right. from you here. So mm-hmm. maybe you don't need both. Exactly, and it took me a long time, but it was an ego. It was really an ego trip on my part. You know, it's an ego trip that you no, know, I have a gallery and I have this studio blah blah and I have a card and I'm going to our show and, yeah. and I'm like William you're just tripping you it's know? just too much it's just too much you know so just get over it and just work do your work yeah yeah narrow in it down studio. narrow it down narrow your bills down you well also to. yeah I would think it's I mean expensive. if you've been living in Chicago and it just costs so much and then you come here to Savannah and the price is just it's so different. So suddenly you can afford to like be renting an RCO, you're renting an actual brick and mortar oh, space. Like you here. can have all so much more yes. stuff than I you was, can have in Chicago. I was paying a lot more here. I think that it was just I needed where I needed a clear space. I think that I'd gotten to the ceiling or I couldn't poke my head through the clouds or whatever it was, you know, something of being suffocating, I think that's what it was. You you build your artistic career or your artistic you know design or whatever you call it style and you reach a certain point and you realize this is this needs to burst you know so this is an embryo it needs to be burst you know for 10 years you were just actually in the womb being you know so now where do you want to go with this and it's like i used to do both realism and this so-called abstract realism thing together and at some point, I'm like, no, I'd rather do more realism because I think of my father being a historian and me trying to also document indirectly people's lives about Ghana and stuff like that, it needed to be real, to real as real as real can get in terms of my interpretation of what I see life. Yeah. You know? And so I, I just said, you know, I wanted to be more realistic because that's how I interpret the truth. Okay, yeah, so you were, I guess you were doing, just to describe it for, since it's radio, you do like a figure and then the background around it is this kind of abstracted shapes. Right. And that was when you shifted into doing an entire scene. As right, meaning. exactly, exactly, okay. you know. But this is also, it was so funny, this piece, 
that 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 we have is a lady dance and I've broken it and I have two shadows of her behind so it becomes a trip a trip take kind of thing and my art instructor back then told me that diagonal lines create movement and I took it literally so I grew <laughs> yeah. these stripes <laughs> stripes of diagonal lines stripes. Yeah. and then the circles of, of different colors of, of you know primary yeah. there's colors like, there's like a diagonal line of polka dots yes <laughs> you know and but it, it it makes you feel like she's dancing the, the movement you know because yeah. the, the, you know and I, it was, you know, what he actually meant was that when you look at people and their arms are sideways but if their arms are falling straight then there's no diagonal there's no diagonal if their arms are sideways or moving as they talk then they go into a diagonal shape yeah you know and that is what he's talking about look at people from a diagonal you look at the picture break it down look at it and that, once I got that... Yeah, it was a little more subtle. <laughs> yeah, so she, the way she's standing, her arms are in a diagonal line. Her And, like, she's standing with her weight more on one foot than the other. So her right. hips are diagonal, right. and then her feet right. are diagonal. Yeah. Mm. You, you happen to have also put in the diagonal stripes. So yes. You did a lot. <laughs> I just doubled. You did I did, a lot I did, this I, one. I doubled it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so cool. So, that was, well, so once you arrived in Savannah was when you shifted into this, like newer this more contemporary version right. of the paintings yes yeah cool. yeah and um it was it was different because i did not offer me i never i never wanted to paint um realistically i just wanted to paint mm -hmm. you know but the people looking more says oh your work is very real looks like photographs it, it's never the intention it was just that i that's all if i'm if i'm looking at a photograph and i'm working from the photograph I want it to be as good as the photograph yeah but that does not mean I'm trying to be photorealistic I'm interpreting because when I go to Ghana if I see a scene by the time I, I set up my easel and <laughs> start painting half of the scene would have changed so the best thing to do is to capture it as quickly as you can with the shots and then when you come here you're still trying to replicate that, yeah you know again in your studio you know yeah, I mean, some of your paintings, you know, some, sometimes it's like a figure with kind of a simple background behind it. But then you have these really elaborate marketplace scenes that I'm sure this takes you forever, where it's like the netting with tons it, of it, it does. all it, the boats it, it and does. ropes and stuff. It does. But again, you're trying to convey a story about a scene. You want to convey it in such a way that the humanity of a person can come out, all the people in there, and the reality of their existence can be seen. And so to do that, you have, everything has to be real and clean. And, because Americans, everything is based on, you know, making decisions based on what, what you see. So you show what the life is like there. And so people can see it a little bit better than think, you know, oh, where do you guys live? Do you guys live in huts? Do you do this? It's like, no, you know, we have concrete buildings, you know, we have, you know, yeah. all these solid buildings. So, You're like a documentarian. Yes, yes. Exactly. Was your so when you started doing these more realism scenes? Was was your father still alive then? Oh like, yeah. Did he get to see your? He, yes, he did. What did he think he, of he your did. work? He loved the work. Yeah. He loved the work. He had yeah. I took a few home and left them with him. He loved it. Do you okay? So we haven't really talked about super technical in your work, but you work in gouache. Is that mm. right? Gouache on paper. Yes, I do. How did you arrive at that of all the paint? I feel like that's the most obscure paint. Nobody knows anything about gouache. Well, it, it is, and to a large degree, too, my, my usage of it, of discovering gouache is the same thing, very obscure. I was in Birmingham 
And that's when I was, you know, I'd finished college and I was trying to find paint because I wanted to paint watercolor. So, because I knew I didn't like canvas because I don't like the bounce of canvas. I didn't like acrylic and uh, oils because I did not like the bounce of the canvas. With okay. stretch canvas, the I, did, I just, it just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. So I wanted to work on paper. So I went to the art store and I saw all these watercolor uh, set colors and I wanted to buy them. And there's some watercolor that said gouache and the other watercolor said, you know, something else. But the gouache tube was this big and the watercolor tube was half the size of the gouache tube Yeah. and cost more. It was like twice as much. That little bit skinny watercolor tube was twice as much as this. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I'll take the gouache brand. Okay. It's cheaper. Just for money. Just because, yeah, that's but what it's cheap. the watercolor, you're going to water down a lot, right? Like you only use a tiny amount. But I did not know that. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I did, all I knew was that this was a lot more. Yeah, yeah. This cost less. <laughs> that one cost more. And I'm, I don't want to pay more for that. So, so. You, you started out with gouache and then you just were into it. And I always kept on going for the gouache. But okay. I did not know it was watercolor. I didn't know it was opaque watercolor. Yeah. I thought they were all transparent. I thought they were all, I didn't, you know, I did not know watercolor was transparent and opaque. All I knew was this cost less. Yeah. And I'll buy the gouache. Yeah, nobody less. knows anything about gouache. It's so weird and obscure, yeah. right? <laughs> and I just, so I just kept on working with it. Okay. Yeah. So you, yeah, like when you, when you talked about um, that you didn't like the bounce of canvas, so you were using paper. Did you ever try on um, panels? Was that everything? Now I'm thinking more about it, but back then I didn't do it. Yeah. I didn't because maybe I maybe that wasn't as popular. It wasn't. Service. It wasn't like masonite boards. They were not every back then. It was more yeah or just canvas. I think my art instructor also worked on camp, so that's where my yeah. I feel like you, if I think about in the '80s, I it's like everybody just worked on canvas, yeah. right? There's, yeah. Do you know um, Angela Burson in town? Yes, I do. So I interviewed her recently, and this came up, and it was so interesting, where she has always worked on panels, and then, because, you know, her work is, like, very flat and hard, and right. the, the lines and the edges, but recently she started doing really, really big pieces, and she realized that working on panels has been, you know, like, it gets very heavy, right. really heavy, so it's expensive and hard to move, and so she's thinking about getting out like she always has done panels for years but now because of the size thing she's is trying to work on canvas just because it if you had to you could just you take it off it. you could roll it and ship mm -hmm. it internationally mm -hmm. or something so mm -hmm. like yeah it's it's funny to think like, she's been doing it for decades it's one way and then suddenly you start a different thing and it, and I feel like the size issue is what makes people change into different things because I always worked on paper too and then during the pandemic I decided I wanted to start working bigger so I kind of switched to canvas as well because Paper is weird where the size of the paper can be big, but then you have to think about framing it and the glass and it gets expensive and it this gets heavy. True. So this is true. With, like with any of the th the ones that you pick, it's hard. There's pluses and minuses to all of them. There are, there is. In fact, I had a client that recently I went to, uh, and they were trying to buy one of my pieces and they said, well, where they wanted, so I took pieces there and we put it in their house, showed, and they, they put one up and the water was right there, but it's, there was so much reflection yeah, yeah. And on the pieces, so they're like, would you consider doing a canvas print of this? And I said, yeah, it's a print, you know, and you have to satisfy a clientele. It's a different scenario when, you know, because sometimes we get our ego trip going crazy thinking, oh, I'm an artist. I don't do canvas. Right. You know, it's just it's like, my vision. It's, it's my paper. vision. Yeah. It's like, dude, yeah. at this point, it's business. You know, you have to separate the business from the art part, from the yeah. the, the, the glorified craziness in your, your head. Your original way you did yes. it. Yes. 
and just look at the business. Once you decide to sell something now, it's no longer art. It's, it's business. It's a transaction. Yeah, and that aspect that they brought up about the reflection of the glass, that might be a thing where... Yeah, like they're buying it to have it in their house, and so exactly. there's different concerns. Like, it's, and it, once they say that to you, you're like, "Oh, that's yeah, that's true." If you're not in your house, maybe the reflection wouldn't yeah. bother you. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna say, I said, you know, we we can do that. We just have to be a small edition, maybe an edition of five or edition of two. That you get it printed on camera. Yeah, because I'm, I'm looking around at your ones, even the one you described with the girl with the intense gaze, and it's a print, so it's at a certain price point. Right. But it's big and it's framed behind glass, so that makes the price point has to jump up. A certain amount just because of the framing and all that it, it has now particularly most of my bigger pieces are framed with plexi okay so it takes up a little bit more space in terms of um, the plexi costs a little bit more a sheet of plexi wholesale nowadays is over close to plus 100 maybe 150 200 it costs a little more than glass oh yes okay but, but yeah it doesn't no because the plexi i'm getting also is UV plexi. Oh, got it. Yes. Yeah, and there's always different, like, like technical innovations mm-hmm. in glass, I found, too. I used to work at a frame store years ago, and then museum glass was a new thing, which looks amazing, and there's nothing, you can't see it at all, there's no reflection, but it was exorbitantly expensive. It is, and it still is. And, you know, it didn't come very big, so. Yeah, it still is. You kind of, there's nothing as perfect. Yeah, yeah. You're right, you know, so that's that's a that's a thing with glass and the reflection, you know. Yeah. If you're painting on the if you're painting on paper you always have to deal with it with that. Yeah. Or you could go on on, 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 on panels. They have now different clay surfaces. Yes. That you can paint watercolor onto some of these. I love those. They're like ampersand panels yes, where the surface yes, is. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm still old fart. I haven't gotten bold yet, but I'm I'm thinking yeah. about it. Yeah, you never know. know. You never know. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a matter of space, also, because you know when it's when it's paper, you can always flexible on the on the on the. On the but you know when yeah, it's card, yeah, when been... it's a board, it's like you got to be careful where you put it. I like doing shows. I like traveling, and you have to you know you have to get everything you need. You know, I've got a I've got a nice size van. I've got a, a transit, so it helps me carry all my load. And you have a very professional setup with the walls. I've got the walls and I've everything. I've got that. I've got everything breaks down, but I've got. Um, I bought a new tent last year. Uh, I bought a fifteen by ten tent. Okay, so now you're at the stage where you're getting bigger spaces. Yes. Like a double space. Or yes, something. a double space. It's like you have your own pop up gallery at this point you, like I do elaborate thing and the thing is that one thing I like about a 10 by 20 is sometimes you don't give out you don't put a lot of work in it you put about the same amount as you put in 10 by 10 the difference however is that pieces get a chance to breathe yeah and people can actually see the work stand back and stand back yeah do you think that helps and like if you're selling powerful. you're selling at a certain price point yes it helps for that yes that's yes. very interesting. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, I, it's, it's a nice it's a nice way to do shows. Um, be comfortable. In the next couple of years, in the next year, I need to cut down shows because I have a show. I have a show scheduled in um, 2025 in the museum in in Michigan that I have to get ready for. Oh wow! Yes, yeah, so I have to slow down, but speed up. You know, slow down in terms of the shows that I'm doing so I can create more time, more work to paint. Yeah. 
Or take my work with me because I have a bigger van and, you know, work a little bit, you know, but... That's kind of asking a lot. It is asking a lot, but at the end of the day, that is what happens when necessity demands that you should reorganize or plan better. You have to, if you want to make it work. Artists work so hard, yeah. Yes. This is is kind of personal, but so so you have the show coming up at a museum in Michigan, you said? Mm -hmm. Do you... Is there like any kind of guaranteed income from that or only if they then decide to acquire some of your pieces for their permanent there's, collection? There's, there's no guaranteed income. And I think that from, for, 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 from my perspective, as a, I'll call myself an outsider artist, you know, because I'm not doing any galleries. I don't have any gallery representation. We're trying to say, okay, we're going to blow you up. Can do this. Because basically I think that due to everything that we've discussed, you know, they just want too much and all this stuff. But, this this allows me to be seen differently and the people that are the images that I'm doing is to also change mentalities so if I get a chance to show and have it in the place for three months or six months then we get people who can actually they know that we're coming to see this but you can sell you know indirectly through your channels and stuff like that but you know what I'm planning to do is just make sure that we present a whole body of work that is very cohesive um, and right now I'm going to be working on food images oh. images of market women images of people in them you know and especially also the fishermen because they all tie the fishermen ties everything because you know you're fishing for food yeah you know so or you're fishing to feed so that is one thing then there's another piece here with this lady it's called some like it hot you know and then there's an okra lady and then there's this piece that I'm working on also that would be nice to have a more specific theme in them. And then, yeah, the titles can be kind of yes. playful. Yes, yes, yes. So we, I'm trying to build that and make sure that, you know, we all have similar things. So I, was, you know, I was telling, I, I said it in my last, uh, we, uh, you know, this series, the Amazon series that's coming out, that we all like to, we all eat the same food. We just cook it differently, mm. you know, so... It's the same thing. We all eat mangoes. We eat whatever it is. We eat rice. Rice is the biggest uh, worldwide. Yeah, worldwide. You know, but sometimes we cook. We make. We have rice balls that we make in Ghana. You know, so and it's different. It's similar to maybe the way the Japanese use rice on on sushi. How they just form the shape. Oh know? yeah. So it, it's sticky. yeah, sticky rice, and that's a, we make a sticky ball rice. Yeah, yeah. You know? So yeah, it's all it's all different. That's and you yeah, you mentioned for a second. I want you to talk about you have an, a show on Amazon that's about to come out of artists in Savannah. Is that right? Yes. Talk about that for a second. Yes, there was uh, last year Amazon Films um, came down and fil- uh, for, uh, filmed five artists here: uh, um, Emily Earl. Nikisha Jones, um, Luciana Spraka, is that how you pronounce her name? She works with the City Archivist, and Susie Chisholm, and myself. Um, So they filmed all of us, and they said we'll come out in the first quarter of uh, this year, and it just came out. Amazing. Just came out this week. What is it called? It's called The Story of Art in America, Season 2. And the first episode is about Savannah artists. I love so, it. Yes, it's streaming now on Amazon. Amazing! And yeah. how cool you're one of the five people that they picked. I love that. I what know. a cool cross section of people. Oh gosh, it was it was just 
it's one of those things that happen because you know they make clear what they were looking for. They were looking for all kinds of artists, you know, not just white artists but just yeah. general artists yeah. from everywhere. So that they pick different forms of art, different forms cool. of art, yeah. you know. So um, yeah. Well, congrats on that. That's, Thank you. I can't even imagine how much broader. I mean, what a broad audience you're. Oh gosh, that. yes. That's all we need, you know. Like I, I sent a, a few to friends of mine that says we got a boost. You know, that's it is. You get a boost. God. You get that. You get that. Is it fifteen seconds of fame? <laughs> you get more. Than <laughs> yeah, that. extend that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. And okay, so I've, I could talk to you forever. There's so much interesting things to say, but I just finally wanted to wrap it up. You in um, was it 2019 to 2020? You had a show at the Jepson yes. in their art nine one two space, right. right? You had a solo show. Yes. Which was beautiful. Do you want to? I mean, that must have felt so amazing to like be oh. living in Savannah for what twenty years now, and then yeah. have a show at the Jepson. So cool. It was it was wonderful, and yeah. it's, it's still it's still like the highlight of my career. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, we all we all it's like you know just like any actor wants to get an Oscar, and every musician wants to get a Grammy or then other lower level awards and stuff like that that you collect as you keep on working, and and the highlight. Because what museums do is that they present what they classify as the best in those categories for people to see. Yeah. You know? So it's nice to get a chance to be able to show your work and to show that you're consistent. You know, because it takes, you know, sometimes you can, you can do five great pieces, but can you consistently keep working to show the quality and the level that you, of, of, of quality of work. Yeah. You know. I'm sure they had to keep their eye on you for years and years and years before they decide <laughs> I hope, I to hope, extend know. this invitation to you. <laughs> it was wonderful. It was That's wonderful. Very cool. I'm, 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 I'm very um, I'm very humbled by that, you know, because it makes you to makes you want to work harder. It really does because and, and that's the thing. You either you either go one or two ways. You go crazy, or you have to work harder. <laughs> keep the quality of what you're doing. You know. And I think it was my friend um, Aaron Dunn who curated it. Okay. That show, right. Yeah. Okay. I interviewed her for the show as well. Okay. Fantastic. I love this. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, William. This has been amazing. Are there any kind of final words you want to say to anyone? Oh. About directions oh. you're going in, or. Well, I just feel like what I'm trying to do is 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 it's. The guy, this guy's name is Craig Hadley. He's the director of the museum at the, the Dennis Museum, and he's his his. When he was, we were talking, discussing the possibility of the show, his thing was you bring a worldwide perspective, you know, which I, I, I it makes me feel good because that's we are getting to a point where we are indirectly a global village, you know. So you can't hop from here to here but the opportunities are a lot easier but they seem to be getting even a lot tighter with the craziness of that what's going on with the US and China and, and all these global geo-global issues that are happening throughout you know the Middle East and also with, with, with Russia so we must well enjoy what we have right now and let those who bring us a little bit of it the world see it from that perspective if we can still go let's go see because the only way we can make change in this world is you go visit these different places. Yes, yes. And see them. And see, yeah, and the differences them. and the similarities. Yes, and, and the cultures. And, you know, we, we all wear clothes. We sometimes wear them very differently, but we all, you know, same thing. The same fabrics, you know, cotton, whatever you want to call them. We, but we wear them differently. It doesn't make us crazy. Right. It just makes you uniquely different. That's it. 
Yeah, your work is really, I guess, dispelling a lot of myths that people might have. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, this has been wonderful. I really liked finally meeting you face-to-face after admiring your studio. I appreciate it. Thanks for So, yeah, everybody, if you want to come visit him in person, he's um, in the south side of the City Market Studios upstairs. Real central location. Mm -hmm. Thank you, William. Thank you. Thank you. Next up on WRUU, that old Savannah magic from 4 to 6 p.m. It's a variety show featuring Savannah history, radio theater, interviews, and music. You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul.